three, two, one. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Texas Private School Podcast. As always, I'm one third of your hosting crew, now dressed in normal clothes, Wes Tallis, and I'm joined by Walker Lott and Ryan Schroeder from College Station and Stillwater, Oklahoma, respectively. Guys, really interesting previous week in uh, private school football, one that I guessed very well going 15-2. and two. Ryan, can you validate that 15-2 and two is the best week we've had on a pick record so far? Lots of 14-3s, and threes, but never a 15-2 and two till this week, so... A very, very uh, good week, I guess, for Wes. You know, Ryan, I'm just I'm chasing the perfect week that you allegedly had last season. I'm still not completely sure of the validity of that. I don't know if the perfect week ever actually existed. I know it's on the Google sheet, but I'm not sure that. It, can, I, can I have your word that the perfect week actually happened? Perfect week did happen. It happened last year. Uh, there wasn't nothing crazy about it. Beginning of the season, uh, you know, we had a, a little thing where Wes got penalized for basically something that he he made a double pick that went down. So uh, we had to penalize him for that. And now it really doesn't matter anymore. He's now four games ahead of me. And is that 15 games ahead of Walker? Uh, wow. Okay. No, that's all, that's all good, man. It's all good. Listen, listen, man. Why, after, why, after did, got... why did you do that? Like, you just had to throw no, a little. No, no, no. Hey, a little... no, it's good. It's good. He got 15 wins this week, and that's the that's the game differential between y'all. I mean, listen, at the end of the day, I can pick private school football. Walker Lott, um, it's been some tough sledding. I will say for your sake, I, I think you have just been you've been going more out on a limb. You've been less yeah. you've been less afraid of picking upsets because of your pick record. It's kind of it goes back to uh to prospect theory wherever the more you have, the less you have to lose, the more risky you're willing to be. Your your mm. thoughts on the 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 gradual slide that has happened with the pick record. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think I talked about it last week, and then you said to stop. So, um, you know, I'm just oh, now right. having, I'm just having fun with it, man. And you know, now I'm at the point, right? I'm just having fun with the season. We're going into playoffs in one week, and then we're just gonna, we're just gonna enjoy it. We're gonna enjoy it. I'm going to sweat out every pick I make from here on out because I'm terrified of of losing this pick record and not getting that trophy. So I, I will not be cruising and enjoying it. I will be sweating out every single pick that I make. Moving on into, as always, our second segment, Players of the Week and the Texas Private School Podcast Offensive Player of the Week, junior wide receiver Caden Lehew from Grace Prep. Caden had four catches for 130 yards and three touchdowns and a win against Covenant Christian. Guys, as a former receiver, I don't know how you get 130 yards off four catches and then three touchdowns off of that. Walker, I mean, Lakehue is obviously a fantastic talent. I saw him play against Trinity Christian Lubbock a couple weeks ago. He is he is incredibly good at what he does. Your thoughts on just this insane stat line against Covenant Christian? Yeah, I mean, he's been a guy that's been on our radar since his freshman year. After having a really good, successful freshman year, he was our uh, receiver, I believe, or newcomer of the year last year uh, for Tabs Division Three. Uh, yeah, maybe newcomer. No, underclassman, I believe. Underclassman of the year uh, in Tabs Division Three. And he he just all has all the size and tools and tangibles you to have to be an elite receiver. Four catches, one thirty with three touchdowns. He's what a, what is he like six four or six three one eighty? He can play DB. You know he laid the wood that one day, uh, Wes, and you got the hit on camera that was impressive. So Disgusting. I mean, 
Absolutely. And he's athletic at his size, man. He he's just I mean, this is a kid that will start at multiple, multiple big time programs around the state. And in Taps Division Three, he's a he's a superstar. And you can see it in the stat lines he put up he puts up week in and week out. Absolutely. Ryan Schroeder, your thoughts on this immaculate stat line posted by Caden Lakehew. Okay, I'm not going to lie. I may or may not have just gone on his Twitter account to kind of get a rundown of him, and he and he retweeted the two videos that we put out. Oh, my gosh, that hit stick is quite literally the most insane thing I've ever seen. And uh, the, the deep ball that Jalen threw to him, I, I just like that ball was probably a little bit overthrown, and he got there to it and like basically dove out for it. And stayed on his he stayed on his feet. I don't know. Very impressive. Overall, Caden's a dog, man. Uh basketball, you know, he he's a dog at Grace Prep. And, you know, I was really excited to see him transition into football and stuff like that. When like I saw him, what, in the winter this past year for basketball. He's absolutely incredible. One of the best 2024 wide receivers in all of uh private school football. And yeah, he's the reason why that we have had him on the radar for sure. Definitely so. I know he's our offensive player of the week, but just going back to that hit against Trinity Christian Love, like that was disgusting. I like my jaw like physically <laughs> dropped when I saw that. It was it was repulsive. It was fantastic. But congratulations to junior wide receiver Caden Lehu, the Texas Private School Podcast Offensive Player of the Week. Now transitioning to our Texas Private School Podcast Defensive Player of the Week, senior defensive lineman from Episcopal School of Dallas, Justin McCray. In a winning at St. Mark's, McCray had a blocked punt that was returned for a 61-yard touchdown, three sacks, four tackles for loss. Um, Ryan, I'll turn to you first. You've seen ESD play live. You're the only one out of the three of us that has. I mean, Justin McCray, obviously a fantastic talent for ESD and just a crazy stat line here. Your thoughts on the seniors' performance? Hey, he's a big man. He's a big man. I'll tell you that much. He's 6'2, 260. Uh, and he kind of he kind of plays like that out there. He's very much uh he's very much the type of guy I, w- I would not want to be, you know, up up against on the offensive line. He's he's I, I know I remember I, I'm I'm trying to remember what I can, but I remember he's quick. Uh he's 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 pretty much a, a type of guy that, you know, although he's sitting at two 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 six or two sixty, he's moving around like he is like a six foot two type of like uh defensive end that you would see, you know, in the college level. So uh I really like Justin McCray. Um and yeah, he uh he he was fun to watch at the star for sure. Definitely full of lots of energy as well. So um it's a hell of a player. Definitely so. Walker Lott, your thoughts on McCray's effort against St. Mark's? Yeah, I'm watching the film right now. His get-off is really, really impressive. Uh, he m- uses his hands well um, and just knows where he needs to be. This pump this pump block, right, he literally you know, gets through the gap, gets through the block shed, and just runs it and just blocks it right in front of him and just grabs the ball basically from the guy's foot and runs it in. It's just very, very impressive game. Um, especially, you know, not how the season wanted them for ESC to go, but, you know, ended it on his senior night, his last game in high school, ended on a great note. Congratulations to the kid. Yeah, fantastic. So congratulations to senior defensive lineman from ESD, Justin McCray, the Texas Private School Podcast Defensive Player of the Week. And now, as always, before we talk about our five games of the week from last week, we're going to go over the TXPS Media scoreboard powered by Ryan Schroeder, as always. Ryan, 
it was a little interesting having to do this in a week where so many games were being either rescheduled or canceled while you're trying to get the scores out. But nonetheless, as always, you've gotten this out every every night when it's due. And I, I really can't, I say that like it's homework, like it's due every night that every Friday night. But thank you. It, it's it's very well appreciated. I know this is one of the favorite things that people get to see every week. But in terms of the scoreboard and scores, I want to go over that aren't our games of the week. St. Thomas gets a big win over St. Pius. They needed to get Antonian, another big win over Concordia. They're rolling to a big matchup with St. Thomas in the last week. Let's see. St. Joseph's dominates St. Anthony's. Uh, Dallas Christian beats McKinney Christian 60 to nothing. I saw, I got, so there's a, there's a post that went up on no context that I laughed at really hard. DC players, they were beating um, McKinney Christian's barstool account in eight ball. I saw that somebody sent someone that and they got posted on the TXPS no context and it made me laugh super hard. But also, guys, I do want to touch on McKinney Christian still has never scored a point on Dallas Christian in the history of their program's existence. Thoughts, comments, concerns, Walker? Uh, go to Ryan. Give me a second. <laughs> Ryan? Uh, you can't do me like that. Like, uh, shit. I I actually really like uh, some of the coaches at McKinney. So I, that seems very disrespectful. But I, yeah, man, like, not a point? Like, oh, my goodness, man. I, you know, Zeke Long, I know uh, uh, we, the Wheeler kid's still there, too. Uh, the younger Wheeler's there as well. I know this McKinney team's got some good players in, the, in, in there somewhere. But they, I guess when you're playing Dallas Christian, you know, you, you kind of find yourself in a situation of like Kansas state versus Oklahoma state where, you know, you can't score a single point. Anyways. I, I, yeah. But Katie Christian, I feel you, man. I'm glad you can, you can, you can laugh at your program. It's always, it's a sign of, of growth. Walker lot. You've been assembling something, your thoughts. See if this works. Oh no. <laughs> what was it supposed to say? Walker. That's rough, buddy. You hear that? <laughs> I did hear it. There you go. That's all. That's, that's all it was. That's that, rough. That's rough. Okay, I, I'm completely <laughs> fine leaving it at that. That that is indeed rough. Good. That is fantastic. <laughs> we need to utilize that button more. Thank you. But yeah. like we just covered, ESD smacks St. Mark's 49 to six. TCS Lubbock beats the dog at a Willow Park 51 to nothing. Let's see. And yeah, oh, oh, one thing I do want to hit on for sure. Ryan, your Frisco Legacy Eagles were within seven points of Grapevine Faith, 17 to 10. You have any you have any thoughts there about that game? No, and I I apologize that I didn't I don't know the whole situation of the game. I was trying to actually get insight on the game, but I got a text, I got a text midway through the night being like, Hey, yo, by the way, um, legacy and faith are like are nothing nothing at near at like halftime, basically. And I was like, huh? What do you mean we're at nothing, nothing? My parents were like texting me as well because I think like they knew whatever. I'm thinking to myself, like, how is this game at nothing, nothing? Obviously, things don't work out. We lose in overtime to Great Fine Faith, 17 10 final score. Um, but I I think this is exactly where it just shows that this defense for uh Frisco Legacy has just been really dominant all year. However, it's just they can't, there's not enough time for them. They keep getting run on and like basically they they stay on the field all the time because the offense can't score. I bet it was the exact same thing tonight or, uh, or on Friday night with Great Fun Faith. They're probably on the field for a long, a long time and like there's nothing they can do about it because of the fact that, you know, the offense would come off the field really quick. So, you know, it's, it's, it's good to see a really, really close game and what a win that would have been. Um, 
for legacy. Something that I didn't know a couple weeks ago, I'll just say this out loud uh, for anybody that doesn't know. In those D2 districts, they're taking four teams apiece out of the five-team districts. Um, so, yeah, Legacy was basically, if they got a win there, that was basically going to maybe get them a spot over Coram Deo because he would have had two wins. So, I don't know. It would have been a huge, huge win for them, for sure. Yeah, definitely so. And even, even just that game, even in the loss, as close as it was, I think that was a great game for Legacy regardless. It's a game that they needed to show they can compete with, with most teams in D2, even if they've had a rough season so far. But I will say, just in, in relation to just hearing those updates, the Legacy game, on the space, driving back from Houston, that's one of the most fun times I've had in a while because we're all just reacting to scores as they roll in. And I'm like about to like vomit on the highway with with anxiety waiting for the grace done result. And that just hearing that live literally was one of the highlights of my year so far. But we'll get more into that later. But that actual wrap up all we're going to discuss with the scoreboard. Now we're going to move into our five games of the week from last week, starting with Fort Worth All Saints at Liberty Christian Argyle. Liberty furthers their Division II dominance here with a commanding 31 to nothing shutout against Fort Worth All Saints. Jacob Vaughn, Brady Janicek, Michael Stump, Quentin Brown, CJ Witten all had tremendous outings for the Warriors as they finished the regular season undefeated in district and will face either Coriam Dago or Legacy Christian in the first round of the playoffs. All Saints will play Fort Worth Christian this Friday with playoff implications looming, but have severely performed underperformed relative to preseason expectations. So, Walker, I mean, this is a game we expected Liberty to win, although not quite by as much as they did. I mean, it just goes to show um, it's kind of it's 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 two sides of the coin. We thought Fort Worth All Saints was going to be where Liberty is right now before the season, and we thought Liberty was going to be where Fort Worth All Saints is right now. Your thoughts on on this game and how both of their seasons have transpired? Yeah, it looks like most of the points I want to Oh, I'm trying to look at I'm looking at max prep. So it's kind yeah, of, I'm I'm doing the exact same thing. I can't find where these points are coming from. It looks like field goals. Is that are you? Is that with me? Does that make sense? I'm trying to figure it out. I can still it is IR as is. Oh, so there's a pick six interception return. There's a pick six uh, and you had two oh, receiving wait. touchdowns. Yeah, Jeff. Uh, shout out Jeff Castro, by the way. Um. I'm only doing it because I know this, but he actually was tweeting out the game, like okay. live tweeting the game. So if y'all want to go to his Twitter, I'll put it in the chat right now. Um, uh, there it is. It's on that chat, but um, he did a, he did a couple plays on uh, Twitter. I think he interacts with us here and there. So shout out to him. But uh, I mean, it looks like, in the rain, like they were pretty dry up there in Argyle, and then you know they kind of went to work. Jacob Vaughn had 96 yards with two touchdowns, uh, did what he needed to do. Uh, senior Cade Haraki, I guess, had 94 yards rushing, and Michael Stump and Quentin Brown were the two guys that caught the receiving touchdowns this past week. Um, Quentin Brown, you know, the other 2025 that you need to be on the lookout for with Braden Janusek, and he had his score on the night with two catches. Um, yeah, I mean, good game for them. I have no stats on All Saints on my max preps, so we don't know much about it. But it's still a good win for Liberty over, you know, a team like All Saints, who I believe last year definitely beat them, right? Um, so, I mean, that just shows the program for Liberty is just moving forward and forward. And now officially district champs, which we never saw coming whatsoever this year. And um, you, we can admit when we're wrong, and we were wrong about this one. And congratulations to Argyle. Coach Wynn has done a fantastic job over there. Definitely so. Ryan Schroeder, your thoughts on this matchup and how both All Saints and Liberty's seasons have transpired? 
if you're not a Liberty fan or you didn't know something about Liberty that no one else knew, you were not expecting um, this team to go basically undefeated. I mean, what a three point loss to ESD is the only loss of the season. Um, you were not expecting this team to go 10 and 0, unless you were basically a Liberty Christian player, then I hope you thought you're going to go 10 and 0. But uh, yeah, I mean, I just, no one was expecting this. It was out of the nowhere and what a great season. They should have been 10 and 0. I mean, let's be very, very fair. I mean, it's just, they have beaten great opponents all year long. Fourth Christian, Midland Christian, Southwest Christian. They dominated their entire district. And on top of that beat Prestonwood by, uh, you know, a lot, uh, beat Grapevine Faith, a top team, beat TCS Lubbock. Their entire team was scheduled with teams that are dominant in private school. And they just outright won almost all of these. So, uh, all I have to say in this game is with all saints, it's like, it's kind of funny. I'm pretty sure we were the highest on all saints. We were the lowest on Liberty. And, uh, I think the Warriors proved us tonight that 31, nothing is what we should have had in our pregame, uh, pregame notes. I mean, our, our preseason notes. Ooh. So, Oof, sorry. I'm watching. I'm watching Quentin Brown cook this corner right now. On, on his I touchdown, s- I saw that as well. He as... cooked him. I was really good route by him. Yeah, but like definitely, like that's what I really wanted to hit on is that this is a game between two teams that we got completely flipped, and it's really interesting to see, you know, how that has developed over the season. You just got to give a shout out to Liberty. They have come out and it exceeded all preseason expectations, and watching their journey through the playoffs is going to be incredibly intriguing as we get closer to that. But moving forward into a game that I personally am very excited to recap, Bishop Dunn at Grace Community. You know, they called me a madman. Oh, my god! What did I tell you? Grace is never the underdog. Mm. Grace gets a massive overtime win over again, over-presumed favorite Bishop Dunn. This game started with a 50-yard touchdown sprint by Shandon King, but Grace responded in the second quarter with a 40-yard touchdown reception by Grant Turner to make the game 7-6 Grace. After about a million lightning delays, the game finally resumed around 10-10, and a massive interception by Grace at the Dunn one-yard line gave the Cougars possession with 252 remaining in the fourth. Grace reopened the scoring with a 60-yard bomb from JT Williams to Reed Alexander to make the game 14 six Shannon King would answer with a touchdown of his own and Dunn tied the game at 14 with 430 remaining the game would in regulation deadlock and JT Williams took the first snap of overtime to the crib to put Grace up in front 21 to 14 and after holding Dunn out of the end zone Grace wins the game 21 to 14 I mean by what I heard it's kind of the same old story apparently Dunn had like seven or eight um, on sportsmanlike penalties and at the end of the day Don is a team that I've heard is more talented than a lot of the teams they play but they're just not disciplined enough to finish the job I mean Walker I mean no matter what way you cut it this is a huge win for Grace that might lock them as the second best team in this district and much better playoff seating implications meaning they should not have to drive out to Midland for that for that trip of death your thoughts on Grace getting a win here no that's a huge huge win for this program um you know yeah, I bet the weather, of course, played a factor in this game, but sometimes that's just how it goes. You know, that's football. You got to play in the elements you're given. And, you know, you got to give credit to Grace. It's a big win for them. Um, and, you know, that's a hard football game, right? Because, you know, when it's wet, when it's cold, it makes football hits harder. You know, it, that unseen of like when you get hit just a little bit more, you, you got to have grit in this game. And I think, hey, East Texas guys, as Wes knows, they got a little bit more grit in them. And 
I think that's just kind of maybe why they pulled out the win today. They just were a little bit more grittier this one. You know, some would say Beast Texas guys are grittier than DFW guys. Hey, but on, Te- on a podcast, on a podcast with two DFW guys, I won't make that claim. Hey, Beast Texas is Beast Texas for a reason. They're, 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 the, the nickname is there for a reason. Absolutely so. Ryan Schroeder, your thoughts on Grace getting a huge win against Dunn in the spot? Yeah, this game literally decided that they wanted to play all the way until the next morning, basically. I'm, I, how many lightning delays and overtimes do you need to decide a game, man? Uh, no, but for real, uh, not a lot of stats on Grace here, but I do want to, I, I do want to say for Bishop Dunn, it's like, if that really was the case of all the penalties, then, you know, Shannon King rushing for 276 yards and a touchdown on 28 carries. Meanwhile, you're, you're, uh, the other guy that's running with you, Jeremiah Horn, uh, is doing 12 carries, 81 yards, and the other touchdown. Like, I just, I'm thinking to myself, like, if discipline would have played a factor in here, my goodness gracious, Shannon King, I, I cannot imagine if those unsportsmanlike penalties were called after some of his plays or whatever they would have been. Like, I, I just think Shannon King, uh, could have had he had 276 yards, but imagine what game he could have had um, with the proper discipline and what this bishop team could properly properly be. Um, obviously, you know, uh, on the defensive side, you got Lloyd Lewis and um, Kyle Molet. I hope I'm saying your names right. The two uh, 2024s who try to put on as much as they could with uh, multiple tackles for loss. But yeah, I don't know. You know, this this is a Bishop Dunn team that. Has proven to be proven to be a top team in that district, but now they're going to fall to the three spot, and Grace is going to jump them for the two spot in that district. All, um, all with Great Fun Faith being the lead team, which is kind of funny to think about now after they just played a really, really close game with Legacy. But yeah, Bishop Dunn, man, that's a that's a loss that you really wish you could take back. And uh, Grace, you won after five hours of playing football and. You know, you had the grit. You had the beast mentality, the beast Texas mentality. Definitely so. I also have to give a huge shout out to our East Texas correspondent, Matthew Liskey. Matthew set in this game in the pouring rain for five hours. Not just what? (laughs) He texted us and he said the funniest thing. I was was laughing at it so bad. I'm sitting there. Oh, I got to go to the other group chat. I was sitting there and I was thinking to myself, I was like laughing. I'm like, dude, is he really out there? He shows one. I see the one video on Twitter and he's in the pouring down rain. And I'm like, dude, keep in mind, our interns don't get paid. So, uh, uh, yeah, they're they're just there just like we are just getting there, pouring down in the rain to cover private school football. Yeah, no, he he said he could wring about a gallon of water out of his jeans after that game finished. I mean, he sat there in the pouring, not just pouring cold rain from like seven o'clock p.m. until dadgum near midnight. I mean, I I can't say again, the people that we have helping us, I, this proves to you that they just thoroughly enjoy what they do in covering private school football. Because I can't think of anyone that would just go out and do that for fun, except the guys that we have working with us. But shout out to Matthew Liskey. That was a heck. That was a heck of a coverage of a game moving on into a game that i think walker loss walker lot is less likely or less uh willing to recap fort worth christian versus southwest christian luke anderson and jacob trimble both eclipsed the century mark rushing as fort worth christian tops southwest 28 to 21 trimble's two rushing touchdowns and hogan nelson's two passing to trimble Gave the Cardinals just enough edge over the Eagles in this one. You add in 15 tackles and four TFLs for Alex Harrelson, and the Cardinals had a really complete effort over SCS here. Walker, I mean, I know it's a tough loss, but what are your thoughts from Fort Worth Christian getting the win over Southwest here? 
Um, I don't know how to say it. I mean, great win for Fort Worth Christian. We were down 14 to 28 until literally like the last three minutes of the game. And then they scored and then they stopped. Then they got the onside or something like that. Right. And then they scored, they scored like the last five minutes to make it, uh, what was it? 28 to 14 scored again, uh, got the onside score to make it 21, 28. And they couldn't get the extra next, uh, next, uh, onside to tie, try to tie it back up. And that's why they lost by seven. But um, I know, I think the key of the game was I saw at the, on the SES athletics Twitter. So I could be definitely wrong about this game. So bear with me, but I mean, there's a reason they tweeted out, but they said, um, where was it? The Eagles were stuffed um, on, on, they were stuffed on a fourth and goal at the three yard line turnover on downs. And then the next thing was they went down and scored on a 34 touchdown, 34 yard touchdown pass by fourth Christian with 11 minutes left. So that basically means they turned the ball over, let them drive all the way down the field and let them score to talk to make the lead 14 seven. So it is just like two weeks ago where they had the two pick sixes. They shoot themselves in the, their own foot to not, you have Antoine Polk. You have elite offensive lineman, and you can't get can't get the touchdown on the three yard line. That's just that's that's unacceptable, honestly, for the program. Um, it hurts. It hurts because that team is so good and so talented, but they just they're not going to make playoffs now. And I'm gonna I'm gonna go on the little rant for a second. We talked about it before the season. Um, I know we have a lot of listeners from Midland, uh, Argyle, and All Saints. It sucks that the semifinalist winner from last year doesn't even make the playoffs this year because of three D1 schools moving down in one year. Um, I know it is. We've already talked about it, and you know we've already said it's it's by how much it's tuition and all that, how much it goes down, like all that. Attendance. Thank you, attendance. <laughs> Match just tuition. <laughs> Green Green Hills Green Hills the top of the of, of everything. Arguably, I think tuition might be a better way to classify this than than attendance. I think that's True. the new way we need to go. Yeah, but it, it just sucks, man. Like, no, I'm not sh- like hating on the actual players of it. I'm hating the situation, and that that doesn't happen in any other district anywhere else besides District One and Taps Division Two, which. That it just sucks because even fourth Christian, who's a great team this year, is going to get the fourth spot. Like that's ridiculous as well. So, and you know, good job, good on Argyle Liberty for having the resurgence. All Saints looks good, good, but not as good as we expected them to do. So it just, it just, it just sucks. And I, I feel for those guys over there, all those guys, those seniors who have been in the playoffs for three straight years and can't make it their last year, but, um, I hope the best for them. Congratulations on the seniors. Have a great last week of the season against Midland. Uh, I know some of the Midland guys asked me to come up and watch that game. I cannot do that. I'm going to Shiner, Texas, actually. But um, I hope I hope you beat Midland. Um, yeah, that's there my thoughts. Go. 
Ryan Schroeder, do you have any brief comments on fourth Christian versus Southwest? I have one brief comment that might be a little bit bigger than a brief comment because this is something that needs to be mentioned. Every single touchdown in this game was scored by Jacob Trimble. Jacob Trimble had 14 carries for 103 yards and two touchdowns. That's on the run. On the receiving side, he caught three passes for 98 yards and had two touchdowns. He had four touchdowns total, 200 yards total, and a combination of 14 carries and three catches. What a great day for Jacob Trimble. Um, if you already didn't know Jacob Trimble was a dog, how about just put that on there? They only scored 28 points, and he was all 28 points. Hogan Nelson obviously threw those two touchdowns. But, you know, that's super impressive. Luke Anderson still rushed for 100 yards, and I bet Luke Anderson also made like 15 tackles. That's what he always does. Uh, what? A, well, let's see. Did he make... Luke Anderson, 12 tackles. Guys, I'm I'm pretty good at this nowadays. Um, it's pretty easy just to bet on Luke Anderson being a dog on defense and offense while Jacob Trimble basically does. Oh, and if you didn't know, Jacob Trimble also threw a couple through seven passes as well. So he's kind of like the Dylan Bell last year of now fourth Christian, where he's gonna play every single position. Uh super impressive, Jacob. Uh and I know I know that uh Montana State, right? That's correct. Montana State, that is uh that school's getting a great dog in you that, you know, you're putting up 200 total yards a game with four touchdowns, but super, super, super exhilarating game that deserves to be talked about. I would have to agree. I'm just, I'm now looking at the stat line and seeing that we only passed the ball nine times, which granted you let Antoine rush the ball for 30 times for 110 yards. Zeman had 13, Christian had four, but if you, I, I said this last year after the state championship, if you want to win games in this offense, you have to pass the ball a little bit more than nine times because it's so easy to put seven in the box and just let and have any guy try to tackle Antoine. It's so difficult to try to beat that and win a game with that. Um, you And with Christian Wells there, you figured they would pass the ball more, especially in a game. I know it's raining, so it's a whole different ball game, but only letting Christian Wells have two passes the entire game that want – one of them was a touchdown total was 56 yards. I mean, you see that and you're like, why aren't you passing the ball more? And Joe G's bright had one yard, one catch for 18 yards. So you're getting big time gains on your passing, but you don't pass the ball more. I'm now just disappointed. That's how I need to say that. I'm just disappointed. I mean, Kincaid passed the ball zero times and won their game, but we do we you ha- do, do you have a Notre Dame commit on yeah, your roster? Yeah, do you know it, Micah Bell? Michael Bell personally, he will he'll well, tell you, you. Well, I think you no, might know Micah Bell. I, I was like, I'm gonna tell you, I'll tag you. Yeah, Micah Bell. Uh, you know, this is a very random part of the episode to talk about Micah Bell. But oh, wait, wait, let's save it for Kincaid St. John's. Yeah, I was like, I was like, let's well, let's talk about it in well, a second. We can just transition but, into that one now. But, let's just do that. All right, all right, bet. Well, can you, okay, so transitioning into Kincaid versus St. John's six. Six different players rush the ball for the Falcons and two go over 100 yards as Kincaid edges out a 38 to 28 win over St. John's to advance to the SBC championships this Saturday. Micah Bell's a freak, man. The Fighting Irish commit had 140 yards and two touchdowns with the entire Mavs defense knowing he was getting the ball almost every possession. Miles Raider is also a dog going for 111 yards and a touchdown of his own as this Kincaid rushing attack is nothing short of tenacious. As for St. John's, they fought valiantly in the absence of Cole Allen with Stephen Gill and Pierce Leverett doing everything they could to extend their season. While they fell short this season, the Mavs will absolutely be a contender in 4A next year. So, Ryan, I did enjoy seeing uh, 
uh, Micah Bell's story following the game, uh, calling you out a little bit. Do you have any thoughts, questions, concerns regarding that? Yeah, I'm I'm out and about on Friday night in Stillwater, like always, and I look on my phone, and Mr. Micah Bell has sent me a message over uh, saying that he still has his head, um, which uh, if you don't know what that's in reference to, I said Micah Bell would lose his head to St. John's defense. However, St. John's doesn't realize that you just have to put all 11 men in the box um, because that's the reason why you stop. That's how that's how you stop Kincaid, apparently. Uh, I, I, I'm usually not very critical and stuff like that. I try not to be very, very critical, but it comes to a point where how are you not putting 11 in the box if they haven't thrown a pass the entire game? How are you not like just cramping every last person like right there almost in, you know, you know, when you're playing NCAA football, I don't, you know, I'm just going to say something stupid, but you know, when you're playing NCAA football and you have the goal line defense and you can pick that for like all the time. And you pick that sometimes in the middle of the field, you just should pick goal line defense against Micah Bell every single time. All right. They're going to rush the ball uh, unless he throws some sort of wild trick play at you. Uh, it's going to be a rush for sure. Uh, but yeah, Miles Roeder is definitely another guy I want to mention. He deserves so much respect. He's kind of shadowed by Micah Bell a little bit, which he needs to, and he will shine next year when Micah Bell is gone. But Miles Roeder still had a great game, 111 yards, a touchdown, you know, still did very well for himself. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm having to believe that he's going to put up good numbers next year himself. Obviously this King K team, you know, kind of like runs on the Bell family, but Roeder's a dog, man. Um, Anything else in this game? I I really don't know what I'm what I what I have to say. Uh, St. John's man, I uh, I was ex- I was expecting expecting the dub at Rice this weekend, and I ended up getting a uh, ended up getting a little message from Micah Bell instead. So I'm not the happiest camper. I will say a funny story that I told on the space, but I'll reiterate here on the episode. Following the game, um, the Kincaid team is there. They're celebrating. They're taking the team pictures after the game with uh, since they're going to the SBC championship. And I'm standing in the back. I, I already took my pictures of them. And I'm just kind of standing there with my sister who I cover the game with. And like one or two of them like look at me and go, Wes, get in the picture. And I was like, <laughs> no, I was like, I don't do that, man. Thanks, though. They're like, Wes, get in the picture. And I again was like, no, man, I'm good. Thank you, though. And they're like, Wes, get in the picture. And one of the moms like looked around and was like, whoever Wes is, get in the picture so we can continue. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. So I, I went down and there is somewhere a picture on the Internet or on someone's phone of me kneeling with the Kincaid team doing the doing the talons up. <laughs> um, and then after about three pictures, I just hear a voice from the left side. And it was Micah Bell went, who let this dude in the picture? And I was like, I'm going to get out of the picture now. <laughs> So I just slunk away while they were still taking pictures. It if was any, honestly. If anyone has that picture, please submit it to the podcast. No, we would like to see. We would like to see West Tolleson with the entire Kincaid team. <laughs> I, I, and I'm gonna I'm gonna frame that. I'm gonna frame <laughs> that picture if they win state. If they don't win I, state, though, okay. you're not getting that picture. I honestly might as well. It was uh, part of me thinks it's like super funny, and the other part of it makes me feel really, really old. Walker Lot, your thoughts on Kincaid uh, getting a big win over St. John's here? Yeah, great win. the The powerhouse program stays the powerhouse, and they go back to the state championship for like the what the sixth time, probably in a row, um, probably more. Uh, but um, you know, you gotta ex- respect St. John's, Stephen Gill, Cole Allen, or the future of that program. And Cole Allen didn't even play. And, you know, that's a big loss for them. And, you know, that's a question they're going to have with that team because you have multiple, you know, Division One guys. I think Stephen Gill is a guy that can go D1. Kyle Allen is definitely one guy that can go D1. And you have Brown commit P3 
Pierce Leverett and Doc Scarza, others, and so Caden Perry as well. So you have multiple guys that could go Division One for their positions, and you don't win. And so that's going to be a what if in the St. John's, you know, questioning if their superstar Cole Allen could play. But um, bright future ahead for that program. Coach Feltry has them on the right track. Um, I know he was a Kincaid guy, and now he's over there. Thank, thank you to Jack Klosek for letting me know that. Um, but that's a good, good program um, on the rise with young guys at the head of it. So excited to see what they do next year. Definitely so. So congratulations to Kincaid as they will move into the SPC 4A state championship against EHS next week. Now, as for the last game, we're going to cover briefly. That is Lovett Christian at Fort Worth Temple Christian. Lovett Christian dominates this game on the ground, rushing for 337 yards and four touchdowns and a dominant 44-6 win. Bax Townsend accounts for three touchdowns, throwing two and running one, also running for 138 yards. Trax Adams also had three touchdowns on the ground, averaging over eight yards per rush as the Eagles prove that they are the top dogs in D4. Walker, I mean, we've known Lovett Christian's the top dogs in D4. They solidify it here with a big win against Fort Worth Temple Christian. Your thoughts on Lovett Christian? Yeah, I mean, uh, Lovett looks good. When you ba- have backs Townsend, good things happen. And what is it? I think they are they only have one loss, right, or something on that program, and that's when they didn't have backs Townsend. So, um, yeah, so when Bax is there and he's doing what he does best, and that is play the game of football, he – does it really, really well. And, you know, yeah. yeah. So uh, good for tracks. Also with three touchdowns on the ground, they're a really, really good squad. Uh, beat a other really good four Temple squad, but uh, Lubbock looks like the favorite in Division Four for a reason. Coming down, another one from uh, higher rank coming down and causing chaos in that district. Definitely. So Ryan Schroeder, your thoughts on Lubbock Christian getting a big win here. Yeah, I said this. I, I think I've said this actually almost. This might be the third week in a row I'm saying this, but in D four, um, there there can be that one guy that kind of runs things through. And uh, basically, if you didn't know, it's Bax Townsend, it's Ryan Sprzinski, it's like all these different guys for all these different teams. Bax Townsend is the man for Lubbock Christian, um, and obviously, you know, it's people 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 say that you know without Bax Townsend, you know, this team it, with with Bax Townsend they would win that weather for Christian game and they would be undefeated this year. Obviously the closest game of the year being that monster sacred heart game, which may end up being the what's called may end up being the state championship game. You know what I'm saying? So um, I, I'm really excited to see what Lubbock Christian could do going into playoffs. It's a good win against oh, a dominating win against forward Temple Christian. It's a Temple Christian team. That's also a solid team this year as well. I think they only had what one loss coming in this game, maybe. Right. So, yeah, so uh, honestly, great game. And uh, his main man, uh, Trax Adams, uh, as well. He also had three touchdowns, so that's that's the man, bro. Absolutely. So congratulations, Lovett Christian. Big win over Fort Worth Temple Christian. Now we're going to transition into our other news section right before we get into our games of the week, starting with the new TXPS week. I think, yeah, this is week 11 rankings. So as always, I will say the rankings, they will pop on the screen. You can pause when you get to your respective rankings and then analyze it from there. But first, here are the Division One rankings. Here are the Division Two rankings. The Division Three slash Division Four rankings the SPC rankings, and the top 10 overall private school rankings. So, Walker, I'll turn to you first. You can just briefly discuss. There, there's been shakeup, as there always is, especially in D2. D2 took us like 30 minutes by itself to try and get through. Your thoughts on on the teams moving up and down? Yeah, um, crazy week. 
Uh, we can talk about D2 the most because that's the really a big thing. Um, Midland moves up. Fort Worth Christian moves up. Grapevine Faith moves down just because, I mean, even with the rain and all that, the close win against Legacy in overtime just didn't as pre- impress as much as the other ones. Uh, Second Baptist moves up to six after winning again. Uh, just kind of cementing themselves as a favorite favorite in District 4. Uh, Bishop Don, Fort Worth All Saints, and Fort Worth Southwest all moved down and Fort Worth Southwest out of the top 10, um, which that's just shocking. Uh, Brownsville St. Joseph moves up and Grace moves back into the top 10 after beating Bishop Dunn, who was a five seed, I believe, last time. Uh, so, you know, a what is it? Or what are y'all? Eight and one now? Eight and two? And that's a big eight one. Eight and one. And the one loss of Grapevine Faith. So, uh, big, big program over there. Going to be that, what, maybe that second place in district. So, good for them. I would have to agree. Ryan Schroeder, you have any thoughts on teams moving up and down in our rankings? Yeah, honestly, I just want to mention a couple of different teams. I think uh I think it's important to note that uh Liberty and Regents are I I'm in my opinion kind of like a one two that are like in D two that kind of like stand alone a little bit. Uh they're these are the kind of the top dogs in my opinion. And then I actually really like uh, you know, Brownsville St. Joseph. No one really talks about them a lot. This is a team that only lost the regions by 10 points. They're six and two this year. Um, honestly, they're having a really, really good year this year. Actually, that might be need to be updated. Um, I think they have a better, I think they're maybe even be seven and two at this point. Um, but honestly, a really, really good year for Brownsville St. Joseph. Um, and it's impressive to see what they've been doing. And then, yeah, jumping down to D3, I, I can see Bay Area Christian and Bay Area Christian, obviously. Um, you know, has been has jumps in for Temple Christian, and I, I think that's the right move for it there. So everything else is kind of just basically how it was, a little bit things mixing up here and there with SPC losses. But honestly, I think everything looks good. D two was the main thing. Yeah, definitely. So it took us a long time to get through, but I think we're we're pretty comfortable with how those rankings turned out. So moving on into our our two of the funnest segments we've introduced. Do these respective teams that have been blowing everyone out cover their games? So first of all, does Dallas Christian cover? We we all are so far two and zero in these games, um, because we've just bet Dallas Christian to cover both spreads, and they have overwhelmingly. So Dallas Christian is a forty-seven and a half point favorite against Dallas Shelton. This game might be a little harder to pick a spread than the others because the number is so high. Walker Lott, I'll ask you first, does Dallas Christian cover a 47.5 point spread against Dallas Shelton? So I'm going to do some math here very quickly. Not really. I'm not going to do math at all. I'm just going to point out the obvious. Dallas Covenant just beat Dallas Shelton 42 to nothing. Okay. Dallas Covenant lost to Dallas Christian 70 or 47 to 7. So if the team that they beat by 40 beats Shelton by 40, I'm going to guess they cover that spread. Ryan Schroeder. Bro, I'm sorry, man. This is this is about to be a slaughter fest for Dallas Christian. Are you kidding me? There's one by 60 last week. And if you're telling me that they're not going to win by 60 again, it beat McKinney Christian by 60. They're putting 75 up on. No, I'm just kidding. They're not going to put 75, but they'll put, they'll put, you think they're going to put 75 up on Shelton? That's a if lot of points. To, if they want to. You're not gonna at that point. You gotta play your JV, right? You, JV yeah, has to saying, yeah. JV has to come in at like fifty, right? Is that what we're thinking? Yeah. Also, yeah, DC, if you're listening to these, um, you know, any coaches listening, you know, we're, we're trying to cover here, so uh, over fifty. No, I'm just kidding. Don't. Yeah. 
we're in we're influencing <laughs> okay so ryan i take it you're you're, you're taking dc to yeah cover. i'll take the cover i'll take the cover over shelton i will also take dc to cover the spread this is just that this game's too easy at this point Moving into the second match, does Parrish cover? Parrish is only a 15-and-a-half-point favorite at Plano Prestonwood this Friday. It's a little more interesting. Uh, Prestonwood is, is, a, is a very good team in their own right, and a team that we have assessed since the beginning of the season is the only team that can poise a threat to Parrish in district. Walker Lott, does Parrish cover a 15-and-a-half-point spread at Prestonwood this Friday? You see, the thing about it is, right, whatever answer I give gives away our game of the week pick, basically, right? Oh, okay. That is a good point. I didn't think about that. We will we will we will circle back around and place this at the at the end of our uh, our Parish Prestonwood episode, which is actually gonna be in about five seconds. And now we will move into covering our five games of the week with special guest Jack Klosek, our SPC correspondent. Jack, I mean, welcome on. How excited for you are this weekend for the uh, for the SPC championships. Uh, Wes, thanks for having me. I'm pretty excited. Um, it's a big-time rematch, Kincaid and Episcopal. Either Kincaid or Episcopal has played in every SPC title game since 2009. Um, obviously, it's a rematch of the 2019, 2017, 2018 title games. Um, really excited to see Trinity Valley make it back to the SPC title for the first time since 2017. Uh, they look to upset John Cooper. Um, and one thing that I keep coming back to, I keep coming back to, Two things. Number one, it's tough to beat a team twice. Number two, weird things happen in SPC rivalry games. So I'm excited to see what Kincaid brings to the table and what Trinity Valley brings to the table this weekend. Um, And I'm, I'm excited to see some good football. Definitely so. We will cover both of those games in depth. Those will be the last two games we cover, but I'm very excited as as we will be covering those games this weekend. I'm incredibly excited to see those down in Houston. But before we get to those, we have to cover our three games first. The first one being Parrish at Prestonwood. Parrish is a 15 and a half point favorite in this game. And in a battle we've been looking forward to since the preseason, seven and one Prestonwood and eight and one Parrish will square off this Friday in Plano. The Lions have not missed a beat since departure of long tenured head coach Chris Cunningham and led by by running back A.J. Sibley, wide receiver C.J. Jackson, Luke McGarry, McGuire Martin, the Lions will most likely pose as Parrish's only threat until the state championships. As for Parrish, Coach Novikov might have his most talented squad ever with the likes of Sawyer Anderson, Daniel Demery, Cedric Mays, Trey Williams, Derek Usbio, and Caleb Mitchell Irving. As good as I think Prestonwood is, they're still not Parrish. I can't see myself betting against Parrish in any game they play against a private school team. Give me the Panthers here. Walker Lott, your thoughts? Um, It's a very interesting thing because, yeah, Parrish is Parrish, and we've talked about them forever. Preston was not, is not a bad team whatsoever. They are really good teams. They have great wins over, you know, Lil Elm, Cornerstone, T.C. Addison. Um, McGuire Martin is the senior, been there forever, Looks it feels like. Uh, Luke McGarry is a really good player. Arizona commit Carter Stoutmeyer. Troop O'Neill is a really good kicker. But uh, I really like like Hudson Lunsford, the 2024 linebacker, who's a guy who I think is going to be a really good player. I like you said, CJ Jackson, Nathan LaPerry. And I really like the 24 tight end Caleb Bowers. And we haven't talked about him a lot. I want to give them their flowers and give some of the guys that I really, really like. Uh, Jackson McNeith on the offensive line, Luke Rumsey. Uh, they got some guys, man, and they're going to be interesting to watch. For my pick, I'm going to go Parrish. I think it, you know, it's crazy uh, for a team that barely beat or barely lost to South Oak Cliff to not pick them. Uh, but 
Prism Wood is really good. I think Paris is just really, really good. And that's why I'm giving the edge to the Panthers. I like that. Ryan Schroeder, your thoughts? Yeah, Preston Wood is posing the threat as probably, oh gosh, probably what, what two or three? I mean, I know our, our overall rankings will tell you exactly what we think of him, but, uh, you know, our overall rankings have uh, Preston Wood as um, currently the seventh best team, but I think you just have to realize that this Preston Wood team is just very, very solid. Um, you, you have to put them behind some teams like Houston St. Thomas and all that kind of stuff. But in all reality, this is the only team that will ever see a chance, probably in recent years, to to put up anything on Parish. And um, I have to say this: I don't I don't know when we're doing the, you know, whether they're going to cover or not. But I think um, I think Parish wins this game. But um, I I'm I'm excited to see this Presswood team play, um, especially since Parish is going to Plano. Um, I think they'll pack it out. Last home game, senior night. Presswood, another rowdy. Um, so I'm I'm excited to see what happens. I got Paris in this game, but yeah, we'll we'll wrap back around to that in a second. Definitely. So Jack, last pick, your thoughts on Parrish versus Prestonwood. It says a lot about a team when you're playing in non-conference teams like Alito, teams like South Oak Cliff, teams like China Spring, teams like LBJ Austin. It's unheard of for any private school to be playing that level of competition. They handed Alito one of their first early non-district losses in years. Yep. They hung with South Oak Cliff, who won a title last year. They destroyed LBJ Austin, the 4A runner-up, who, by the way, moved up to 5A this year. And China Spring has one loss, and it's to Parrish. On the other hand, Preston Wood, while they've only lost one game, they lost to Liberty Christian. Um, when you have a team that's just a juggernaut like Parrish and is – taking care of really good public school teams, I just don't see how you can pick against them. The only private school team to even come close to Parrish was Episcopal, and there's a reason why. Episcopal is that team this year. They've reloaded um, really their most talented team since probably 2017, 2018. So with that, give me Parrish, man. They are a heck of a team, and when you're competing like that against teams that have 100 kids on the team and have their pick of thousands of kids that go to these big public schools when you're competing with them and dominating them and taking care of business, that's unheard of for private schools in the state of Texas. Give me parish. Definitely. So Jack, I will put you on the spot here. One of our segments is we choose if parish and Dallas Christian cover the spread against the team they're playing. So parish is a 15 and a half point favorite over Preston Wood. Do you see them covering the spread in this game? I do. Definitely. I do. So covering. Walker lot. I do. And I want to mention one last thing to his point of how they're competing. Private schools are always known for not being able and being good in the trenches, right? Like that's where the, like a lot of times they just don't have a lot of big guys. That's what Parrish sets Parrish apart from others is the guys in the trenches on the offensive defensive lines. One thing that we'll talk about later is Bel Air has a really good defensive line and offensive line, and that's why they could maybe compete with them. Um, Prestonwood has a couple guys, but I don't know if they can compete on the level of the goes those guys in the trenches, but yes, Parrish covers. Ryan Schroeder. Parrish does not cover. I Ooh. think that Preston Wood will at least I this is what if you want my exact prediction, I think it's a 14 point game. I think uh I think Preston Wood still loses by two scores, but I think they lose by 14 points. Honestly, 
It will be the closest game Parrish plays this entire year when it comes to their district schedule and probably actually their playoff schedule too before St. Thomas in the championship. That'd be my only other team that I would think is like going to pose a threat like that. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm, let's give two touchdowns. So uh, that's 15 and a half, right? It is. Yeah. Give me two touchdowns. I got, I got Presswood covering. <clears throat> I like it. You're you're going out on a limb, and I like it. You know, I'm going to take Parrish here just because, if for nothing else, the rule of thumb that you always bet the favorite has done me well so far. I'm sticking with it. I like Parrish to cover a 15-and-a-half-point spread in this spot. But moving on to the next game we're going to cover, Antonian versus Houston St. Thomas. St. Thomas is a 14-and-a-half-point favorite in this game. St. Thomas is 9-and-0. Antonio is 8-and-1. Houston St. Thomas has an electric offense and one of the best in private school made up of Dante Lewis, Schaefer Henderson and Luke Edgecombe. The defense is made up of Jack Ward, Grant Stewart, and Caleb Davis. I mean, this this Houston St. Thomas team is the one that we think is the second best team in Division One. And and besides Preston Wood, again, I don't want to keep bringing teams back to Parish, but one of the only teams we think that can challenge Parish, and they're they are fantastic in their own right. I do want to ask this to lead off our discussion. Walker, do you think Antonian has a shot here with star running back Johan Cadenius out for St. Thomas? No doubt. I think um, I'd have to check the schedule. One second. I'm going to check the schedule before I make this claim. But I think this might be their toughest test all year um, in Houston, uh, Antonian Prep. Uh, Antonian Prep has played some really good uh, uh, non-private uh, schools uh, and you know kept it close. Uh, outright beat San Antonio Central Catholic, St. Pius, and uh, Concordia. And St. Thomas uh, was for with St. Thomas played uh, Central Catholic close until the second half. So you never know. I think they have a shot, especially with Johan out. You know, the rushing game is going to be have to be, I guess, led by Dante, who can definitely run the ball. Um, that man is just sensational athlete. Don't just always have to watch out for him with his arm and his legs. Uh, but, uh, I mean, I think this offense, you know, you said St. Thomas has an electric offense. I think Antonian has a, just has an electric offense with Rally Strode, uh, you know, uh, Ricky Gonzalez, Jason Cascano throwing the ball with Mike Moreno running the ball. I think they have a pretty good offense, uh, offensive line, too. Uh, I don't think they win here, and I'm going to give my pick for St. Thomas, but uh, I think Antonian causes some havoc, maybe shocks, maybe keeps it closer than what people think. Yeah, I would love this nothing more than to see this be a very competitive game. Ryan Schroeder, your thoughts on the game? This game's gonna be close. It will be close, and I think definitely because of uh, Yo Johan Cardenas not playing, I think that's I think we can just immediately say this game will be a lot closer. Um, however, this is still Houston St. Thomas, and this is still the Houston St. Thomas team that has beaten Kincaid, has beaten St. John's, has you know gone out there and beaten teams that are you know that we 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 give a certain level of respect to Nolan Catholic. I mean, I don't know. I can't really give Nolan Catholics also two and seven, but like, I think what I'm saying is more just like St. John's and Kincaid. And obviously they just rolled through their district. So I honestly believe in this one that St. Thomas is just probably going to go out 10 and zero, and, you know, I mean, everybody knows how it's going to go. In my opinion, I think it's pretty, pretty obvious that if they win this game, you'll probably see him in the state championship against Parrish. Bro, Nolan Catholic catching strays for, for no reason. That's tough. I'm, Jack. I'm, yeah, sorry. Sorry, Mr. Matsuda. <laughs> Jack, your thoughts on the contest between Antonian and St. Thomas this Friday? 
So I think one thing that benefits Antonian is their non-district schedule was comprised entirely of public schools. They mm. played Blanco. They played Somerset. They played San Antonio Memorial. They kept it close and lost with Bernie, who was a multi-round playoff team last year. That's probably the best team they've played so far and kept it within 10 points. Um, on the other hand, St. Thomas went out and beat what is currently the number seven team in all of foray, according to Dave Campbell's Lumberton by 20 points. Yeah. Lo- um, that's a big win for them. Lumberton's a good yeah, team. Lumberton's a really good team. Um, in fact, Kincaid beat little Cypress Mauriceville, you know, only by 17 points and Lumberton beat little Cypress Mauriceville by like 40. So, um, it's going to bode well for Antonio and having Johan Cardenas out and because they play such a tough non-district schedule and go, going in and playing a public school as a private school is a little bit of an intimidating experience. Um, when I went out, we played Little Cypress Mauriceville one year at their place. <coughs> Sorry about that. There was, um, they, it, it, it's, a, it's a tough task and it really prepares you well for those big conference games. Um, by the same token though, I think Antonian's at a disadvantage because of something that I like to call bus fatigue. They have to make the trip from San Antonio, and it's not easy going from experience from a guy that I, I we would ha- we would play in Dallas once or twice a year. It's tough being on that bus for three hours, stopping and then trying to restart same day. Obviously, mm-hmm. that's not everything. Doesn't always determine um, determine what's going to happen, but that really can take a toll on you. Um. With that being said, um, I've been fortunate to uh, know Dante Lewis personally. His brother and my brother played uh, summer baseball together, so shout out to Dante. Um, and this is easily the most talented St. Thomas te- team probably since 2015 when they made it deep in the uh, TAPS playoffs. Um, and with with that, I'm going to take St. Thomas. Um, Antonio is a really talented team, but the way they've shown up against e- even a lesser Nolan team Lumberton, Kincaid, St. John's, um, they're going to get, they're going to get the, uh, they're going to get the undefeated season um, and look for those guys to make, have a statement win against Antonio. I think so. You're bringing up a bus fatigue is interesting. I think we have, we have several times tried to quantify how much bus fatigue uh, accounts for in a point spread. Me and Walker, I think came to the decision that the a drive from DFW to Midland accounts for at least a three and a half swing in a point spread. I think that's, that's more or less fair, but more research is required. We, we have some more regressions to run on that figure before. Absolutely mm-hmm. sure. But moving into the third game, we're going to cover that is Austin regions at St. Michael's Christian. Regions is a 27 and a half point favorite. This is a game I will actually be covering Friday night. In a heated rivalry game, undefeated Regents will take on 4-4 four and four St. Michael's. Regents looks to be the best team in the South behind contributions from Quinn Murphy, Jacob Wilburn, Tyler Quo, Jack Burkle, and Chili Sayer. St. Michael's obviously has no shortage of talent, as displayed by Carson Kruber, Jason Stokes, Xander Romero, Malachi Smith, and John Nehemiah Griffin. I will say that you can usually throw stats out the window in a rivalry game such as this. However, I don't see a situation where Regents loses here. Give me the Knights. Walker Lott, your thoughts? It's such it's so hard, man, because this is one of my teams I just love. Like, it's St. Michael's. I think they're a good school. I love the coaches over there. They're, the players are really good to us, and man, I've I have supported them. I think more than anyone else in the state of Texas. Um, 
And I think they're finally healthy. I think you got all your guys back. I think this is this is the game. You know, you had the 50 burger last week against Victoria St. Joseph, and you're back on track. If any time you can do it, you, you it's it's now. This is the season. This is the season to win the game. But, but I th- there's no way I can't pick against Austin <laughs> Regents in this one. Um I wow. have supported them. Week in and week out for multiple, multiple weeks. And my pick record is honestly three, <laughs> four losses bad because of Austin St. Michael's. So just in reality, the eight time, eight straight district champs and Austin's Austin Regents have never lost a playoff games or regular season district game since I don't even know. Um, and I don't think they're going to stop now. So give me Austin Regents. Fair assessment. Ryan Schroeder, your thoughts? Walker is insanely right here. If there's ever a year for it to happen, it's this year. Um, however, it won't be this year. Uh, <laughs> Regents, Regents will come out victorious in this game. Uh, it's just, you can't go against the numbers. You know, this team's good. This team slaps everybody and district right now. They literally have already slapped, um, you know, they slapped Hyde Park. They slapped St. Anthony's. They just slapped TMI. The only team they've even played close is Brownsville St. Joseph. And Brownsville St. Joseph played uh, SM uh, St. Michael's uh, in a really close game where they beat St. Michael's. So, uh, honestly, I, I view these two teams the exact same, in my opinion. And with them being the exact same, I feel like the same outcome will come for regions to beat St. Joseph. Now, Ryan, you know what they say about the transitive property. We've gotten in some trouble man, trying to use that as a measuring stick. Transitive property. I, I will whatever, say. Whatever, man. And, you know, readers probably will quote me on this afterwards. I do think St. Michael's covers, and I think this is the closer game than people expect. Oh, what's the what's – the Yeah, cover? you just got a lot of Twitter clips that are come out of that statement. But, I did. you know, it's, it's good engagement. For the first, yeah. for the first time, for the first time, it will be someone else getting flamed and not me this year. I feel like I've taken all the hot takes this year, but hopefully Walker will get quoted on one of them. I don't yeah. know. Me calling Southwest fraudulent seemed to ruffle some feathers, but Jack Klosek, your thoughts on Regents at St. Michael's this Friday? So, so to answer Walker's point about the last time Regents lost a district game, that was in 2015 to Hyde Park. Oh yeah, um, that. That says enough about Regents. They're obviously a very talented team. I mean, they wiped Episcopal off the face of the earth last year. Um, and they, they're they a really talented team. Yes, they play in a bit of a weaker district. I'm not going to pretend that that's not the case. But they're a really talented team. I've really enjoyed getting to watch their, fi- uh, their film on Max Preps. They have a great, great passing attack. Um, and it's a really fun offense to watch. It's dynamic, and they take care of business on defense. I just don't see how you could pick against them. Give me Regents. St. Michael's is taking steps in the right direction, and you like to see that, especially having a midseason coaching change. Um, that's a tough thing to go through. I went through that at Kincaid, um, and that's that's not an easy thing to come back from. So you like to see the fight from St. Michael's, but Regents is going to go undefeated, and they're going to continue seven straight years of of winning district games i would have to assume that's what's going to happen and i will be very excited to cover that game come friday but moving into the meat of the episode the spc championships the first of which is trinity valley versus john cooper in the first championship contest of the season seven and one john cooper will face off against six and four trinity valley at 2 p.m on saturday Cooper won the first matchup of the season, 50-34, to and are looking to repeat as SPC 3A state champions. 
behind Vaughn McKeever, Alonzo Barranquilla, and Kyler Sullivan. The Dragons have a fantastic opportunity in front of them. Across the field, though, sophomore quarterback Gavin Parkhurst and the TVS Trojans are hungry and waiting. A 25-24 loss to Fort Worth Country Day has slowed their momentum moving into this contest, but the quarterback duel between McKeever and Parkhurst cannot be overlooked regardless. Walker Lott, you've caught some flack on Twitter for saying that uh, that Parkhurst outdueled, emphasis on outdueled McKeever in the first matchup. I mean, uh, how excited are you for uh, for for this this quarterback matchup part two? Yeah, I'm guessing McKeever has that as a little bulletin board material of me saying Parkhurst outdueled him, which, hey, he did. He did. That's what happened. And you did take the win, but you got outdueled. But, um, hey, I'm old. I got to stay true to what I said. But, no, I feel but that. you got to see if McKeever can do it this year, uh, this time around. And like we always say, it's hard to beat a team twice. I think Parkhurst, Jacob Maynard, I like Carter Lee. Um, uh, they have a lot of guys on that team. They're going to cause some damage for years to come. They're a very young team, but uh, I'm going to give John Cooper. I think they're you know the favorites. We have them number two in SPC for a reason. They're a really good team, and I think I think McKeever does prove me right. And I think he says like, "Oh yeah, I can outduel this guy," and I think they all come to play. So uh, McKeever wins back to back state championships. Probably is the I'm going to say MVP of this game, but. Uh, also watched Dean Calhoun to make some make a message as submitting himself as the best young talent at SBC. Yeah, definitely. So I'm also going to pick uh, John Cooper to win here. I think Parkhurst is fantastic for Trinity Valley, and obviously McKeever is fantastic for John Cooper. I just think the weapons McKeever has behind him are greater than the weapons Parkhurst has behind him. I like the Dragons in this game. Jack, break down what's going what's going to go on for us on Saturday. So Trinity Valley. Uh, that's a tough, tough way to go into SPC week, losing the country day. I know that's a rivalry game, Battle of Bryant Urban, um, and that's a nice w- way for Fort Worth Country Day to end their season. But that's a tough, tough way to go into the se- uh, go into the championship. By the same token, John Cooper in their last two games before Trinity Valley, really, you know, uh, they, they scuffled a little bit against Country Day and Houston Christian, who – Houston Christian lost to Oak Ridge last week. Yeah, That was a 26-22 game. With that being said, though, John Cooper is a really, really talented team. Um, and I have them going back-to-back. I just think right now they are a he- they are head and shoulders above the rest of 3A. Um, that's not to say that Trinity Valley can't pull off the upset. They have really, really talented young pieces. But right now, th- that's John Cooper's division. Um, and I got the Dragons going back-to-back, Coach DeHaven getting back-to-back titles, um, and that's that's a really, really talented program, and a program that's only been around for about a decade. It's pretty cool to see that they went from, you know, being bottom of the barrel only about six, seven, eight years ago to now they're – some people will say they should be in 4A, and that'll be interesting to see in the next couple years what happens uh, with SPC realignment because that's coming up in the next uh, year or two, I believe. Um, they're a really talented team, and I, I got love for John Cooper, and I think they're going to go back-to-back. I think so as well. Ryan Schroeder, your thoughts on this contest? Yeah, I mean, uh, Vaughn McKeever played so well last year with the guys that they had. I know, obviously, main target, you got to be, you know, uh, I got to say this right, Kyler Sullivan. 
Kyler, like Kyler Murray. Gotcha. Kyler Sullivan, man. Uh, you know, he's been one of the main guys we've talked about all year for this team. You know, uh, what's it called Lonzo Baranchia. Baranchia. Yeah, I haven't figured that out yet. Yeah, I'm trying myself as well. I'm so sorry, Dragons. I am trying. <laughs> but uh, yeah, obviously, you know, we know Gavin Hurt, Parkhurst is a stud, but I think in this game, you just have to realize that John Cooper uh, is a special team. They really should be 9 0 for being very fair here. This team is a 9 0 team. That's a TWCA three point loss on the, on August 26th, y'all. August 26th, that was the three point loss. We're currently, or might turn into November tonight as it is um, Halloween night. But yeah, I all I got to say about this is just the fact that. Um, they haven't lost in a while, and uh, I, I think I think it's pretty safe to assume that if you won by 16 the first time, you'll get things done the second time. However, I was going to say this, Wes. I totally forgot when we're talking about teams that you know that have gone for everybody's throat. Um, I forgot to mention the team that went for any, the, anybody's throat the most was Fourth Christian. They what's called? They wanted oh, your yeah. house. That's so, a good point. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I think I have gotten. Yeah, I. Your, yours reason, is definitely I the worst. Out of my brain. Yeah, yeah no, I know. I, I was like, I mean, was... No, no, nowhere else were, were people holding like signs, like asking for everyone's belong, not right. asking, demanding everyone's belongings. No, yeah, that, you're right. That's a good point. It's a good. That point. was a. Yeah, that was a fun little. I, I completely forgot that happened. To be honest with you, yeah. my short term memory is not great. So, welcome Jack to the podcast, y'all. Jack, uh, if you want to make any bold claims, just know there are repercussions for your actions. Yeah, funny enough, people actually care about what we say on here. <laughs> <laughs> so just yeah. uh um yeah just keep that in the back of your mind yeah keep that in the back of your mind <laughs> trust, hey. me, trust me i i was getting some frack from some of my old teammates because i because of uh some of the things i said on the twitter space i got some uh, <laughs> nice. you, you you know who you are who uh who texted me in the old football group chat saying i i, I was i wasn't giving you guys enough credit <laughs> oh, that's one thing. Even if you yeah. talk good on the team, if Dang. you don't talk good enough, people will still come after you. Trust me, it's a it's a very fun development. Just wait till it's, the tap dance get in the mix. Yeah, it's it's a fun thing. But <laughs> mo 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 moving on into the last game, we're going to cover Episcopal versus Kincaid. A game I know Jack is very excited to talk about. Immediately following the 3A contest, 7-2 and two EHS and 6-4 and four Kincaid will square away to crown an SBC 4A champion. Kincaid is riding high off a fantastic win versus St. John's, which featured one of the most masterful rushing attacks I've ever seen with my own two eyes. Senior Micah Bell and junior Miles Raider are elite athletes and will do everything in their power to repeat as kings of SBC. Episcopal will have other plans. Behind Carson Gordon, Andre Thompson, Lane Leinbarger, and Madden Morgan, this EHS team is loaded with talent and are the favorites in this matchup. I love this Kincaid team. I've reversed position on them and cannot understate how good the coaching and execution has been for the Falcons. But I cannot overlook the talent of EHS, and for that reason, I have to take the Knights to win the SPC. Jack, I, I know this is a matchup you you are have been looking forward to. Um, what are your thoughts on this game and how it's going to turn out? So, I think Kincaid has an advantage in in the rushing game. I think that's without a question. They have a very unique Wildcat offense. Um, they don't really pass the ball. They had zero passing yards against St. John's. It's not an easy offense to defend. Um, they're going to run it down your throat. Um, and with that being said, Episcopal has a really, really talented offense. Uh, Coach Casey, 
who I've heard nothing but good things about, has really led a great o- offense this year. Um, but with that being said, Kincaid's defense held them to 21 points. The only team to hold Episcopal to less points was Parrish. That's saying something. Episcopal also had a, uh, well, accidental bye week last week. Their game got rained out. Um, Kincaid had to fight and claw to get in. Kincaid's a gritty team. They started off a little slow. Um, They had a huge win against ESD, one that um, a lot of us didn't see coming. Um, They're a talented team. And for me, you know, it's my my alma mater, whatever. Micah Bell's going to put Kincaid on on his back, and they're going to be the 2022 SPC champions, and they're going to get a hat like this that says 2022. Give me Kincaid. Oh, that is fantastic. I love every ounce of that. That is that is tremendous showmanship. I love it. Walker Lott, EHS versus Kincaid. Your thoughts on the matchup? You know, this is a big rivalry. It's been there. You know, it's it, they just want it bad, I think, over in Kincaid. And I want, I'm trying to look back at it because you remember back in the day, Wes, when mm. they announced, right, that Andre Thompson, he was announcing that he was transferring to Bel Air Episcopal. Mm-hmm. Nathan Larned did the little emoji with like the rolling eyes emoji back in the day. I do. And I'm saying this because it's now public knowledge. He posted it on Twitter. It's a very interesting thing because they've always been back and forth. They've always had talented guys on both sides, multiple D1 commits, both sides, a lot of the years. But I think they want it, man. These guys over at Kincaid really, really want it, man. They want to show, hey, you might have some, you know, some of these guys coming in. A lot of young talent has caused a lot of good wins for them. Brought back the Beller that we thought, you know, they've always been, and back back to the successful program that they are. You know, I talked earlier, Wes, about how good, you know, Bel Air is in the trenches. Their offensive line, most of them are over six two to six three. Jason Ota, the Texas A&M Commerce commit, Hutch Coward, the twenty three defensive lineman, um, other guys in the line. You know, the linebackers. Uh, Madden Morgan, the 26 guy. Uh, I believe they have other linebacker. I know number seven is a linebacker for them, who's, I believe, their captain as well. And they have ca- talent on the offensive side Carson Gordon, Lane Linebarger, Andre Thompson, you know, all the others. But sometimes you just want the grit of Kincaid and you want it. You have rushing tack. You know, Micah Bell is going to do what he does and he's going to put his team on the back, just like Jack just said. But that doesn't matter in this one. And I think I think oh, Belair is gonna show why oh. they're back to being as good as they are. And you know, the whole thing of a you can't beat a, a team oh. twice, they're not gonna be able to beat them two times in a row. Belair gets the win here and are the four oh. A state champions. That is so dirty. You had me hook, line, and sinker. You were taking Kincaid. That is that was so so dirty and yeah now i feel bad i feel like i'm like betraying kincaid after like you know the whole incident of me like choosing them last week and then they were happy and then i got roped into taking a picture i I now feel bad like i'm betraying the team but you know michael michael bell did tell you to leave the picture so michael bell did tell me to leave the picture well he he didn't tell me to leave he just said who is this who let this dude in the picture ryan schroeder your your thoughts on the matchup between ehs and kincaid all right now Obviously, Michael Bell, man, I have picked against you so many times in my dang career. And so I it's not gonna be any different today. I'm picking against you <laughs> again. Uh like I'm telling you, dude, 
Micah, I I will pick against you till probably it's over. I also hate Notre Dame. My dad went to Boston College. <laughs> I am a Boston College fan. Like that is my Catholic school that I run with. Like best believe, like I I am not a like I am not a Notre Dame fan. However, my mom went to Georgia, so I guess your brother gets some you know some love out of me. But anyways, sorry, that's not relevant to the story. I just thought that was funny as hell. Uh, uh, anyways, getting into it. Kincaid is is so talented with Mikey Bell and Miles Rudder. If, if you didn't hear me earlier, just Raider. know that what Raider is not Raider. Miles Raider. No, it's it's Raider. It's well, ra- it's, ra- well, it's an O. It's, it's an O and an E. So I'm going to change his name. So Miles Raider uh, and Mikey Bell obviously are two really talented players. Honestly, like two. Like when I already said, Miles Raider is going to have his time to shine next year. I keep saying that. Whatever. However, this team can't throw the ball. Dude, they cannot throw the ball. They had Miles Raider throw the ball, um, and he threw one out of two passes. But then they had Cooper Chambers, which I'm so sorry. I don't. You don't even have classification on here. Uh, Cooper Chambers went 0 for six and two interceptions in the game against Episcopal. They had last time, and the, and I feel like that's the reason why they didn't want to pass the ball against uh, St. John's is because the only guy you have playing a true quarterback position is Cooper, and he went out there, didn't complete a pass, and threw two interceptions. So I think if if EHS has learned anything at this point from the game that they played against them and St. John's this past week is let's pack every last player into the box and let's literally try like do everything in our possibility to stop the run. We already said that EHS has the D lineman and the guys in the trenches to basically to be the mass to stop that. So like, let's, let's be very fair here. If, if EHS can study the film, they know how they got and how the, how was the six point game last game. They're going to realize how to stop this, this next time. Um, I, I'm so sorry, Micah Bell, but my goodness gracious, man, I would love for you to prove me wrong again. That'd be great for you. But for me, I got EHS. I uh, I got I got the Knights here, man. And this Knights team, like like everybody already knows, this is a team that should be um, eight and one from what we've heard from multiple sources about things with the ESD game. And you, they only lost by seven points to the Parish Episcopal. So yeah, give me Episcopal in this one. Ryan turning into hater of the year for some reason. Just I'm not a hater. So, I'm not a no, hater, dude. dude. You, you would, you would, you would be the first pick at the 21st annual Player Haters Ball hosted by Dave Chappelle. You, you would be pick number one. That I don't know why that late made me laugh so hard, but I mean, that being said, um, that's actually all we're gonna recap for the this games. Is, or... This is this is this is gonna be a good coaching clinic too. Oh, I think yes. Lauren Lauren versus is it Lee's? Is that how you say his last name? Lee's. Okay, those guys, those guys know how to coach in a championship game. Both of them do. And they're going to study that last film, like Ryan said, and see if they can outbeat each other. And that film room, this whole week is going to be just studying, studying the film, trying to figure out how to beat the other team. And this is going to be fun to watch and see if Larnett can come up with something to really, really uh, just go crazy on uh, Episcopal and kind of maybe mess them up in the head and just, you know, hey, this is not what we expected. Let's go win this game. So it's going to be fun to watch. Larned knows how to do it for sure. I completely Larned. agree. I, I will. Oh, Larned? Oh, okay. So we've Larned. been saying that. We've been saying that wrong. Too. Okay. I'm, I'm going to correct us. I'm going to need a pronunciation guide of all of Kincaid. Um, I'm going to need this to be put on, on, on a sheet and I'm going to need it. Down we have listed. it. Larned. You know who our pronunciation machine is? It's the guy hanging out oh. with us right now. Jack Closick. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Jack. I'm going to need you to. I can't, I... 
That's your in, my, in my in my <laughs> old art offense, there is no way that should be said Raider. That is Raider. oh yeah. That are we kidding? Old. Are we kidding? Like that's a hundred percent Raider. That is not my fault. My coaches at Kincaid didn't know my name was pronounced Klosik until I was like a letterman in football and baseball. I just never corrected them. When I started Kincaid, my dad told me he's like, you know, if the coaches call you Klosik. Don't say anything. And I remember, <laughs> I remember Coach Moss coming up. He's the baseball coach, but he's all he's also the receivers coach, and he's the play caller. He's mm-hmm. a really tall coach. Have you ever seen him? And he goes, since he, he has this very distinct way of talking. He goes, Jack, since when were you gonna tell me that your last <laughs> name is pronounced close? I was like, I I didn't want to be rude and correct you, so. That's my little oh. tidbit about confusing names. That's well, amazing. it seems like it seems like literally all the confusing uh, names just uh, reside uh, with Kincaid, except for you, uh, Kyler Sullivan. I feel bad. I feel bad. I, I like Kyler Sullivan. Like, like DM me and was like, "Hey, thanks for the love, but my name is actually pronounced Kyler, like Kyler Murray." I was like, "I was like, thank you, dude. I'm so sorry. I'll get that corrected next episode." I call him Keeler three times, and he DMs me again. He's like, "Hey." No offense, my name's still Kyler. I was like, shoot, I'm sorry, I'll fix it. But yeah, you just I will get it. You just have to tell me like three or four times. I I have to say, Jack, you and Matthew have the funniest stories, dude. I'm in the past two weeks, I've heard Jack and Matthew now both say these crazy stories. Oh, y'all add so much. It's oh, it was incredible. I, I have I have many, many more and some that I probably can't say on air. <laughs> yeah, no, Absolutely. trust me. We, we are all that way. I will I will say one day I'm going to bring Matthew on here and we're going to do an episode of him doing nothing but just telling stories. I guarantee you it would probably be our, it'd probably be our most viewed episode ever. That dude has some, has some wild stuff to say. But with all that being said, I think it's a great place to close the episode. This I mean, I know I said it last week, but I think this week is is my favorite slate of games so far. I this Kincaid, I will say, although I picked EHS, this Kincaid team fascinates me, has absolutely earned my respect, and I am so excited to watch them play play EHS this Saturday. But as always, I have been one third of your hosting crew, one fourth of your crew for today. Jack Klosek, thank you so much for coming on. We appreciate your analysis and just we're looking forward to see what you have to say following the SBC championships. Walker Lott and Ryan Schroeder have fantastically been themselves. We will see you in the next episode. See you later. Three, two, one.